Section 9 of the Treatises of Benvenuto Cellini on Goldsmithing and Sculpture by Benvenuto Cellini, translated by C. R. Ashby. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The Treatise on Goldsmithing, Chapter 8, On the Cutting of a Diamond. As we have now said enough of the three gems, ruby, emerald, and sapphire, we must, perforce, consider at greater length the diamond. Now, though the diamond is said to be kin to water, let no man suppose that this need imply an absence of colour, perfume, and taste, such as would be the case in good water. Just as water may have both colour, perfume, and taste, even so the diamond not that the diamond actually has perfume or taste but it has colours as many as nature herself i propose here only to mention two and these diamonds about as splendid as it's possible to imagine the first was a stone i came across in the reign of pope clement a diamond literally flesh-coloured most tender most limpid it scintillated like a star, and so delightful was it to behold that all other diamonds beside it, however pure and colourless, seemed no longer to give any pleasure and to lose their gratefulness. The second was a stone I saw in Mantua. It was green, and green such as you might see in a very pale emerald. But it shone just like any diamond, and as no emerald ever shone indeed it seemed the most glorious of all emeralds though i have seen all imaginable colours in diamonds the mention of these two may suffice now for just a word about the cutting of the diamond that is to say on the changing of the stone from its roughness into those lovely shapes so familiar to us the table the faceted and the point footnote in tavola a facette e in punta End footnote. diamonds you can never cut alone you must always do two at a time on account of their exceeding hardness no other stone can cut them it is a case of diamond cut diamond this you do by means of rubbing one against the other until a form is obtained such as your skilful cutter may wish to produce and with the diamond powder that falls from them in the process the final polish is subsequently given for this purpose the stones are set in little cups of pewter footnote piombo e stagno End footnote. and held against the wheel by means of certain little pinchers prepared on purpose and they are thus held with their dust mixed with oil the steel wheel upon which the diamonds are cut and finished should be about the thickness of a finger and the size of an open hand and of the finest steel excellently tempered this wheel is fastened to a hand mill and turned round as fast as it's possible to turn it four to five diamonds or even six can be applied to the wheel at the same time and by bringing to bear a sufficiently heavy weight you can increase the pressure of the diamonds upon the wheel and give greater grip to the dust which wears them away and so they're finished i could tell you a deal more and all about the ways of cutting but because it's not my own craft i will not bore you with it tis sufficient for me to have given a general sketch of the method in question to return however to the subject we have at hand i will say something of the tinting of the diamond of its setting in gold and of the variation between one stone and another on account of the above-mentioned colours 
however great the variety of these colours is the wondrous hardness of the stone is similar in all cases or at least the variation is so slight that the process of cutting is the same with the greatest possible care will i show how i set about making tints for diamonds and give likewise a number of instances on various exceptional occasions that i have come across in diamonds of great importance it is only owing to experiences such as i have passed through that one is able satisfactorily to show the great difficulties that stand in the way of those who wish to make them fine settings i will begin with one occasion when pope paul the third of the house of farnese was given a diamond by the emperor charles v it was when he returned from the capture of tunis and paid a visit to the pope in rome the diamond in question was purchased in venice by certain servants of the emperors for twelve thousand scudi and it was set merely in a plain and simple bezel with a little claw footnote gambo End footnote. in this fashion it was given by the emperor to the pope as soon as he visited him and i heard tell that he gave it as a sign of his goodwill and friendliness the latter receiving it courteously with the same spirit now forasmuch as the pope for a month previously had ordered a present to be prepared for the emperor worthy to pass between them he had held much counsel on the matter with many and so called for me and asked me in the presence of his council but quite privately to give him my opinion on the matter i straightway said that inasmuch as the pope was the veritable head of the christian religion and the veritable vicar of christ the most fitting gift from the pope to the emperor seemed to me to be a fine christ of gold set upon a ground of lapis lazuli an azure stone from which they make ultramarine the foot of this crucifix i said should be of gold and set with jewels and of such value as should please his holiness and because i had with great care already executed three gold figures that might serve for the base of this cross and because they symbolised faith hope and charity and were already completed the suggestion pleased the pope mightily and he bade me set to and make a model of what i proposed for him to see at this model i wrought for a day and a half and then brought it to him completed pleased as he had been at my suggestion he was simply delighted when he saw the model and determined to give me the job we clinched the bargain in no time i was paid the earnest money and bidden to bestir myself i strained every nerve to bring this beautiful work to being but so it was i was hindered from finishing by certain beasts who had the vantage of the pope's ear tis a thing that often happens this with all princes the worst men in the whole court are often the best listened to and these fellows believe for them what they don't even believe themselves one of these men whispered such evil things into the pope's ear that he got him to believe that it would be better to make a present to the emperor of a breviary of the virgin in miniature that had been made for the cardinal hippolytus de medici as a gift to the lady julia gonzaga that this little book should be bound in a cover of fine gold set with what variety of stones might please his holiness and that the emperor would like this much better because he could make a present of it to his wife the empress and so it came that the pope got so gammoned that he was dissuaded from the crucifix 
and bade me make the little book which i accordingly did footnote the illustration given is probably not of the breviary in question but it is a reasonable cellini attribution End footnote. when the emperor arrived in rome i had not yet put the finishing touches on the book because it took some time before they made up their minds about it none the less the cover was visible as it had all been put together and it looked splendid with all its gorgeous jewels set upon it then the pope sent to let me know that i must have it in order as well as i possibly could within three or four days as he wanted to show it incomplete as it was to the emperor and that he would excuse me to the latter for not having completed it on the plea of illness as for that i would speak of it in its place after this the pope with his own hands gave me the diamond he had received from the emperor told me to take the measure of his forefinger and make him a ring as richly wrought as possible and as quickly as ever i could off i hurried to my workshop and with the greatest dispatch and in the space of two days produced as rich a ring as was ever made now pope paul had waiting in attendance on him a number of milanese who patronised a certain milanese jeweller gaio by name this gaio came before the pope and all off his own bat without ever having been as much as asked holy father quoth he your holiness knows that by profession i am a jeweller and that i am better skilled at my craft than any man ever born now your holiness has given benvenuto a diamond to set and the diamond is one of the most difficult stones in the whole world to set and this particular diamond is more difficult than any other diamond and it's a very beautiful stone and a very costly stone and withal a very delicate stone and benvenuto is a very young man and though he is enthusiastic enough about his art and apt enough at his work the tinting of so precious a stone is rather too tough a bone for tender gums like his in my opinion your holiness would do well to commission two or three old and tried jewellers to go and look benvenuto up and not let him tint the diamond without their advice it was a jeweller called milano larghetta of venice your holiness who tinted and set the stone as your holiness has it at present this was an old man and never did any one better know how to fix foils and tint stones weary of this plaguy babbler the pope told him he might go and do what he liked and thought best so off the fellow went to look for raffaello del moro the florentine and guaspari romanesco both of them men of great cunning in the manner of jewels with these two he came to my shop on behalf of the pope then did he begin to babble so tiresomely that i could scarce contain myself the other two talked sense and were decently civil so i turned to them in my politest manner explained to them my views and begged them to let me have a couple of days to prepare a few tints to try this lovely stone for this could only do good in the first place by trying a few rare tints for the diamond i might be able not only to teach myself but lure on others who were following the art and in the next place the stone might so gain at my cost that it might delight them do the pope a service and bring much credit to me all the time i was giving them my reasons that insolent beast of a gallo kept fidgeting about with his feet and his head and his hands ever and anon interjecting the most irritating words 
so that i very nearly lost my temper altogether but the others men of sense they managed it so that i got the time i asked for as soon as they were gone i set to like anything to make my tints and this is how i did it end of section nine